Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? We good? Good. Well, hey, a couple weeks ago, Shannon and I were on vacation. Shannon's my wife. And uh, we went on vacation with her wife's family. And so I married into a family that maybe you married into or maybe you're a part of or grew up with. Uh, but my family certainly didn't do this, but they are puzzle people. Anybody else have puzzle people in here? Maybe you're a puzzle person. Uh, but we went in and we went on vacation. We went over to Silver Lake and uh, it's Shan and her parents and extended family and cousins, aunts, uncles. And so we're all in the house. And the way that puzzles work in this family uh, is someone picks a puzzle. Doesn't matter who, you just gotta be first. Someone picks the puzzle uh, and you just start it. You bring it down to the table, you bring it down to the common space or whatever, and you start working on the puzzle and it becomes the family goal over the next couple days that if you're not doing anything or if you're bored or if you're watching TV or you're up before anybody else or you're up after everybody else, whatever it is, um, you kind of make your way over to the puzzle and you start the puzzle and start putting it together. So I'm not naturally inclined to do things like puzzles. Okay, maybe you can relate to this. I don't, I don't get the point. You know, oftentimes it takes a whole long time and a whole lot of frustration and a whole lot of anger for me to invest in something that looks just like the thing right next to it, aka the box. So I have a little confession to make. Um, we only have one puzzle at my house, and it's this one. And just to make sure you understand how embarrassing this is, I just want to put this on the screen. So this is the one puzzle we have in my house. Am I proud of it? No. Am I a cat person? No. You would not guess that based on this puzzle now, would you? So after we did this vacation, we were up at Silver Lake. I, I had some fun. I felt inclined, like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to work on this puzzle. But as I opened it up, this thought came back to me, and I remembered the experience that I had just had up north at, at Silver Lake. And it was this, uh, the puzzle that we were working on. It wasn't this one, thank goodness. Uh, we can remove that anytime, by the way. We can remove it. Perfect. So the puzzle I was working on, now I have your attention back. Thank you. The puzzle we were working on, though, I was about halfway, it was halfway done. I had not contributed much, but, you know, as a good member of the in-law family, I want to contribute and do my part. And so I come over and I start working on it. And uh, Shannon's cousins have a, a, I'm trying to remember the name of the dog. It's not a pit bull, but it's a Rottweiler. They have this Rottweiler dog, and it's big, and it's a puppy. It's less than a year old, but it's like 90 pounds. So this tank, and his name is Moses. How dumb is that, okay? Just stick with me. So Moses is just running around like a tyrant, acting like he owns the place. And so I sit down at the table, and I start working on the puzzle, and I'm invested about five minutes right now in this puzzle. But it doesn't take long because I'm now contributing. I'm bought in. I want to see this come together. And this tyrant named Mo whips around the corner, comes right up to me, and I'm reaching out to pet his head as he looks, sees the pieces, and sticks out his foot-long tongue and scoops like four of them into his mouth and starts running away. So what do you think I do, right? I'm like, I'm not going to be responsible for the, the detriment of this puzzle. So I tear after this dog, and I grab him by the jaw, and I open it up, and I'm reaching around. And you can imagine what everybody else is thinking as they just walk in from the beach, and they see me holding the dog down with his mouth open, scooping inside. So these slimy, gross, chewed-up puzzle pieces come out. They're kind of in a mess. They're stuck to the floor. And I put them back on the table, and I say, this is why I hate puzzles. <laughs> this is why I tell you that story, though. I think puzzles are a really good metaphor often for how a lot of us approach life. A lot of times we, we see the big picture and we see what we're kind of moving towards, but, but we're stuck with all these pieces that we're not quite sure what to do with. 
we approach it and we look and we go, okay, this is me and this is who I am and, and this is kind of my relational background and then this is things that, these are things that have happened to me and so we're able to put some pieces together and we're able to understand part of it but really our goal is to make what we think our life looks like or what we think our life should look like match with what we have to deal with. But here's the problem with puzzles and here's the problem with this approach to life is oftentimes we don't have all the pieces. Or oftentimes there's people that, that oppose us or there's forces that oppose us or things that happen, whether it's sin, whether it's brokenness, whether it's death, whether it's, it's pain, what, whatever it is, these things that add into our life, they actually remove a piece from the puzzle or they damage a piece of the puzzle so that when we're looking at it and we're trying to get an idea of the entire picture and to see what it looks like, we're missing something. And oftentimes, this is the worst part, we don't know how to find it. So just to turn introspectively here just for a second, I just want to ask you, if you're sitting in this room today, chances are you came by your choice, but I know not all of us did. Why did you come today? Why come to church today? Or why, why come to church at all? You know, for some of you, I think it's, well, this is my community, and this is where I invest, and this is where I grow. This is where I learn about the Bible and about God and, and how I fit. But I, I think on a deeper level as we move to the next one, and really my challenge to you is just think about this and answer this question to you. Why do you come? What is it that you're searching for? What is it that you're looking for? What, what is it that you've not yet found? Or what is it that you want more of? You know, I know a, a lot of my story or my history or past with church, what I would bring to church wasn't what people saw on the outside. In, in fact, what I would bring was not, you know, my, my servant heart. It wasn't an excitement to meet people or to see people, but it was, it was an acknowledgement of there's something broken inside of me and I can't fix it. And there's a piece of my puzzle, this piece of my life that I don't yet get and I don't yet understand and I'm hoping that maybe this can lead to that. And I think just to take it one level deeper, I, I really think every person in this room would agree if I say this. But I think our deepest longing and our deepest desire is to know our creator and be known and loved by him. And I think this is a means of doing that. But here's the thing, uh, there's so many things in our world that prevent us from achieving that or prevent us from seeing that or understanding the picture, understanding who we are and who God is and, and, and how they work and interact and relate to one another. So this is really interesting because uh, today we, we live in the, the technology world, right? Most of you probably have a phone in your pocket or a computer at work or access to the internet somehow, but we have access to all of this information and yet oftentimes it's like just puzzle pieces that we just try to put together and piece it together and try to, to answer this question, who am I and who is God? And how do we remedy these two relationships? How do we, how do we remedy the relationship between them? But what we often have to sort through is a whole lot of things that aren't true. Imagine me handing you this puzzle and saying, here's the puzzle. Um, I'm going to give you a kind of an idea of what it looks like, but I've also mixed in four different puzzles. There's a couple of them that are double-sided, and, and some of them just don't matter. And potentially, some are missing. We would look at it, and we go, I'm, I'm not sure how to put this together. I'm not really sure what to do. I'm not sure I'm really set up 
to win. And the truth is that oftentimes we feel the same way about life. Here's an interesting quote for you. Uh, this was a study that was recently done just in the last uh, month. This was end of June 2018, and it says this. 72% of Americans believe that traditional major news sources report news they know to be fake, false, or purposely misleading. Isn't that interesting? Even more interesting is if you back up to the post-Nixon Watergate era, it was actually 74% believed the opposite. That there's been a major shift in our culture and in our society to understand what is truth. And not just what is truth, but where is truth? And how do I find truth? And how do I remedy truth? And how do I feel and understand intimately truth? So this brings us today, we're, we're in the text that we're studying, this, we're in the book of John, Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, I just want to let you guys know, I've spent three years with you, it's been awesome, it's been great, I've loved you guys, but I'm now going to leave. And imagine the, the disciples, there's 12 disciples, they're, they're young teenagers and early 20s guys, and, and they're looking at Jesus and they're saying, what? You can't leave us. You can't leave, how will we know what's true? Because when Jesus entered their lives and invited them on a journey, all of a sudden, everything Jesus would do, it was revealing more truth. And say, let me, let me tell you more about who you are. And now let me, let me tell you more about who God is. And now let me tell you what, what God wants and desires out of you. And now tell me what, what God has planned for you and, and what he wants to bring out of you. And so Jesus is just coaching his disciples for three years. And just imagine having someone who you know you can trust who delivers truth, who delivers knowledge, who delivers wisdom and insight and discernment. And you spend three years and you're just sucking from the fire hydrant going, this is just amazing, this is changing my life. I see the world differently, I see myself differently, I see God differently. And then that person turns to you and says, I'm leaving. So this is where we're at, we're in John 14. Jesus says this to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Read this with me. The spirit of truth. It's so interesting to me and so fascinating that Jesus spends three years with his disciples. And when they get nervous and anxious about Jesus leaving, his promise to them is that I will give you a spirit of truth. That you won't have to wonder what's true and what's not. I'm going to give you an advocate. I'm going to give you a helper that points you to the direction so that you understand what is true. The world, though, can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. So interesting here how Jesus speaks right to the hearts of his disciples who are nervous about losing their source of truth, their source of understanding and knowledge and wisdom. And Jesus says, you don't understand, guys. For me to leave is better for you because I will give you the spirit of truth. I will give you the Holy Spirit who doesn't just live next to you like I do, but who lives within you. And it was this huge shift, but it was so important. But, but the question is here, if I had to ask you something, would you prefer a map or would you prefer a guide, what would you say? Some of you maybe say map. I like map. Just let me go at it. Let me approach it. Let, let me figure it out. I enjoy that. A map to me is a whole lot similar to a puzzle. I see a two-dimensional view of a picture, 
and I have a two-dimensional view of puzzle pieces, and I try to make them match. But here's the thing. I, I've told you guys a lot about uh, a trip that I took out to Montana. So hiking through, this is Logan Pass. This is out in Montana. Hiking through this, this is a place I'm unfamiliar. Uh, it's loaded with uh, snakes and bears and mountain lions. Uh, it's, it's riddled with snow, and there's high peaks and steep peaks and, and treacherous trails and all that. If I would ask you, hey, here you are, you're going to go, I'm going to put you here uh, in Montana, and I'm going to let you go and say you have to get from point A to point B in a place you've never been before, do you now prefer a map, which looks something like this, or do you prefer a guide, which looks like this? <laughs> now, here's the thing about the guide. I just got to tell you, the guide has been here before. He knows the way. He grew up with this in his backyard. He's familiar with it. He's comfortable with it. He's done it a thousand times. And you have your option to do the map. Let's show that picture. You can choose the map or you can choose the guide. Which one do you want to choose? Just voice it for me. Who do you want? You want the guide, okay? That's the correct answer. You want the guide. But here's why you want the guide. Okay, let's say you're hiking, you just start your hike, you've chosen the map, and all of a sudden you see walking at you down the trail is this. Which one do you really want? The guide, correct? Because you pull out your map, you don't see the bears on your map. It doesn't tell you what to do. You know, in fact, John, uh, our campus pastor down at, at Center Church, he just went on a trip out west and he saw this sign that was posted that said, if you encounter a mountain lion, here's what you do. It says, number one, don't run. Disagree. I'm gonna choose the slow guide and I'm gonna outrun the slow guide and take my chances. Anybody else with me? If we're just being honest today. But then it says another point on this flyer that's posted. It said, convince the animal you're not food. I'm just going to say there's going to be some leakage in me from a certain place that's not going to be appealing, and I'm going to hope that's enough as I'm running the opposite direction. But I just want to throw this out. I mean, just as we're speaking real here. In life, in a desire to know truth, in a desire to know God, in a, in a desire to know us and how we relate to God our Father, would you rather have a two-dimensional map or a three-dimensional guide? This is why Jesus said to his disciples, it is going to be so much better for me to go and for my guide to come in my place because he's going to live in you. Because it's not going to be, where is Jesus? I need to find Jesus. Where, where did he go? I need to, as long as I'm next to him, I'm safe and I'm okay. Jesus said, no, 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 I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit who's going to live inside of you. And the role of that Holy Spirit is to point you not to what's false, but to point you to what's true. And it's going to illuminate. This is who God is. This is his character. This is who he's about. This is what he's about. This is what he cares about. And the Spirit is going to point you to truth. But then it's so interesting that he says right after it, but the world won't recognize him. As I read that last statistic, I just want to say amen. It's so true that our world doesn't understand truth or doesn't recognize truth when it's right in front of us. So let's keep reading. We're going to be in verse 18 here. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus is saying this. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see, say it, me. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus loves his disciples so much that he says, I want to share with you a gift that I am intimately acquainted with. Because Jesus, as we look at the start of Jesus' ministry, Jesus was baptized, and it says the Holy Spirit came down from heaven like a dove and rested upon Jesus, and that was how he began his ministry. That Jesus would travel around, and as he would speak to people, and as he would do miracles, and as he would preach to people, and teach, and and travel all over the Middle East, Jesus did it all in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, knowledgeable of who he is, and how they relate, and how the Spirit works, and points back to the Father, Jesus says, I'm going to give you such a great gift, and it's even one that I'm familiar with. I want to give you the Spirit of truth. And with truth, when we know who we are, when we know who we've been created to be, we also know who God is and how we are to steward our lives. And I just want to put a word with that, and the word is power. You know how much power is involved in a person who understands who they are, in their relationship with God, and understands why they've been created and how they live out the rest of their lives. That is such power. We are so attracted to people like this because they're on mission and they understand who God is and who they are and how they relate and what God desires from them and they live their lives in such a way that many of us, myself included, envy and say, I want that. Let's keep reading here. It says, the world will not recognize your guide. Verse 22. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the one who turned over Jesus, but another one named Judas said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us, but not the rest of the world? What a fair question. Jesus, why why are you going to reveal this to us? Why are you going to give it to us, but not to the rest of the world? Here's what Jesus says. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. That was how he started. If you love me, obey my commands. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. But anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the one who defends, the one who protects, the one who guides and comforts, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Jesus is saying, I'm not withholding anything from the world. I'm not keeping it back. I'm not keeping it hidden. I'm not not just pushing everybody else and stiff-arming and keeping them at a distance. No, no, no. I've offered this free gift to the world. But to follow me means to obey my commands. To love me means to do what I say. And the world doesn't want anything to do with me. Therefore, they'll never recognize my Holy Spirit. 
my hope would be that this is illuminating, that you, the light bulb goes off and you go, this is why it just seems that the world is so often just exploring every which way to fill this hole in our hearts that we just can't seem to fill. It's filled with drugs, it's filled with alcohol, it's filled with sex, it's filled with pornography, it's filled with relationships, it's filled with money and stuff and jobs and power and success. And the world continues to seek after, what is this thing in my heart? What was I created for? What am I missing? This is why if we just look from a distance, or maybe if we look introspectively, if we're secure enough, we can see in our own hearts this desire to fill a gap with something that can't be filled with anything but a relationship with God. And Jesus is saying, this is the struggle the world is going to deal with because they don't know me and therefore they won't know the Holy Spirit. So I love this. We're just gonna fast forward a little bit. We're at Acts 2, starting in verse two. And so what happens? Jesus now uh, ascends into heaven and he disappears before, before his followers. And his followers are fearful and they lock themselves in a room and they go, I'm not sure what to do, I'm not sure what to do. But then Jesus comes back after he, he let me back up. Jesus is crucified, dies, the disciples lock themselves in a room, Jesus resurrects, comes back, spends time with the disciples, and then when Jesus ascends into heaven, his disciples turn around with a mission, but they don't yet have the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me? Yes? All right, good. So here's where we're at. Acts 2. The disciples, the apostles, they're all together. Jesus has now left them. Jesus has ascended, and they're waiting for this gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happens. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the Spirit comes, and it's something, this is so funny, it comes like a rushing wind, and it's loud, and just imagine like a tornado or a rushing train that just speeds through a village that doesn't have technology, right? It's just loud, and you're like, what is going on? And you walk out of your house, and what they see is they see these disciples, and it looks like there's fire resting on their head, and they're speaking different languages, and what it says right after is every man and woman that comes out heard their own language being spoken out of these guys. They didn't study the language. They didn't know their own language, but they're speaking filled with the Holy Spirit in a way that they could all hear and understand in their own native tongue. So the Holy Spirit comes and comes with power. And the people come out, and this is so funny, they come out and they go, these guys are drunk. What would you say? I mean, they come out and they're like, man, they're just, they're kind of babbling and and I don't really understand everything they're saying, but I hear my language and there's fire. What is going on? And what it says, I just think it's hilarious. Uh, Peter comes out and he says, I just want to address the crowd. Uh, We're not drunk. Uh, It's 9 a.m. But this is, I just think it's interesting. It illustrates the point that Jesus said before he ascended, and it was this, the world will not recognize me. And the world will not recognize the Holy Spirit. The people laughed, the people mocked, and the people didn't understand the Holy Spirit. And this is so important, even when it was right in front of them. And just as a pause, 
do you ever wonder if the Holy Spirit's working right in front of you in a way that you can't see? I've often wondered. Remember, even really before I became a disciple and a follower of Jesus, I just remember my life feeling out of control, chaotic. Remember just kind of meandering, trying to find purpose in a whole lot of different things, trying to find understanding. And yet what I saw later in hindsight was the Holy Spirit was working in a very powerful way by placing specific people in my lives to say things to me that I didn't understand at the time, but later did because it all clicked and it all made sense. And this is what's happening in this part of the story. The Holy Spirit comes with power and it anoints the disciples. And people come out and they wonder and they say, what is going on? You guys are so different than everybody else. If you're not drunk, what is it? And Peter addresses the crowd and he says this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, ouch, both Lord and Messiah, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And I love this part of the story, and don't miss it. It's this, go back, or actually right here, it's this side. Peter replies, repent. Repent is the first thing that he says. The gospel is shared with them. Peter Peter shares this long dialogue with them saying, this is who Jesus is. This is who he came to save. This is who he loves. This is his relation to the Father. And this is what he came to do and to fulfill. And so Peter just announces, this is Jesus. The one that you crucified is our Messiah. He is our Savior. He is the one. He is the Redeemer. He is God's chosen Son. And he illuminates the person of Jesus, but then in one word, illuminates everyone listening. And the word is repent. And if you haven't heard the word repent before, or if you don't remember what it means, the word repent simply means turn away and run the opposite direction. And this one word, repent, speaks to a community of people who didn't understand who they were. They didn't understand how they related to God and what they couldn't see is their own sin and filth. And Peter, in one word, says repent. This is who God is. This is who Jesus is. But now, this is who you are. And to make this relationship right and to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive the illumination that we have that you desire is to do this. Repent and be baptized. And this is why we do baptism services here at Frontline. Because it's important. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he just goes one step further. The promise is for you and your children And for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Let me just ask you a question. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? I just want to go back to the puzzle. I think oftentimes in life, 
We're given a, a series of puzzle pieces to deal with. And when we're younger, the puzzle's pretty small and the pieces are pretty limited. And, you know, a four-piece puzzle doesn't take us a whole long. But as we get older and life gets more complex and we start realizing who we are and, and the depth of our sin and our brokenness and our relationship with God, we just continue to add piece after piece after piece. And we get more information and we learn more about God and then we learn more about other things and about the world and we're, provi- we're provided with different temptations and sins and, and, and all of a sudden it just gets really messy to the point that we're just walking around with a bag that we don't yet understand. We're trying to piece it together and we're trying to make it work and we're trying to understand who we are and how we fit in this world and more importantly, who is God and why does he want anything to do with me? I just want to set up one question and we're going to transition here just into a video that I think you're going to be blessed by. But the question is this, I just want to ask you, do you want the same guide that Jesus promised his followers? Do you desire the same gift to see the world through a different light, to see God through a different lens, to understand who God is and who you are and and just be led to truth in a way that so many others in the world long for and desire? Do you desire the same guide being the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised his followers? The video we're gonna show you, I just wanna set it up really quick, uh, is a testimony video. And it's by a guy named Steve. He's in our worship band. And it's a powerful testimony, but it's one I just want you to listen with the perspective of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to just listen to to his life and where he was at even at an early age and the hole that he was seeking to fill and how the Holy Spirit was working around him and in people through him to bring him to an incredible story that turns the page. So, would you watch this video with me? Sixteen, I was living in a a bad uh, situation. My dad was a major alcoholic, abused my mom, abused my older brother. I was uh, looking for something, and so I wanted to be a rock star because I grew up in the 60s. So, started following a lot of that stuff. A major tragedy hit in my 16th year. Uh, My dad died in a boating accident over in Muskegon. I actually had to go over and identify him that night because my mom couldn't handle it. Um, My brother was in Vietnam at the time. So I started uh, kind of a downward spiral, looking for um, anything to do to make me feel good about myself, basically. Started experimenting with a little uh, drugs, you know, the little stuff at the time, uh, marijuana and uh, things like that. And Vietnam War was still into the uh, effect. And so um, I enlisted because of the horror stories I had heard. The draft was still going, so I didn't want to get drafted. It was where everything just escalated for me. Basically, from the time I came home from the military till I was 35 in 1988, I was a wreck. I was major into drugs and alcohol and relationships busting up here and left and right. Able to hold a job, but not able to hold anything else together. It It was a crazy time for me. So that led to uh, when I was in the factory, the factory had shut down and I'd lost my job then of course and I'd lost my uh, then at the time girlfriend because I had nothing to offer her and I fell into a major depression and I was drinking real heavy at the time and um, tried to commit suicide 
over all this because I just gave up. And um, that uh, led me to um, remembering that I had a friend that was actually a pastor. And um, his name was Jerry. And um, I saw Jerry out and confided in him. And then at that time, it was a few weeks later, he said, you know, you maybe should come to church. So I reluctantly went to uh, try to make people happy. Um, yeah, I was uh, on my way uh, to this church out in the country. Uh, it was a perfect setting. It was right across from the cemetery. Uh, Cornfields. Um, I drove up and walked in and just kind of felt uh, scared, I guess. Scared, nervous. Just sat down way in the back, as far back as I could get. In fact, there was about that much room between me and the wall, so uh, I was just trying to be like not noticed, and uh, it didn't work. A gospel quartet was singing there at that time. I just sat in the back, and they were singing, and they stopped them in one of the Miller's songs, and they said I, that we understand from the grapevine of the Lord there's someone here that needs Jesus. And um, a, little, a little older lady was sitting next to me, and she was all in white. And she handed me this handkerchief that was white, and she said, you're going to need this. And I didn't know what was going on, and, and they started singing again. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just stood up. And I said, I am a sinner, and I'm here for the very first time. And I was just blubbering and crying. And all of a sudden, I felt this huge warmth come into my chest. It just knocked me right back down into my seat. And I was sitting there and I was just bawling and she, she hands me another handkerchief. And then I'm just kind of sitting there kind of like trying to figure things out. I couldn't move really. And, I, and she leaves. And so I'm sitting there at the end of the service and Jerry came up to me and he handed me a New Testament. and. Uh, told me to stay in contact with him, you know, and I went home and I immediately started devouring the Bible. I, I, I read the New Testament, what he gave me like in a week, and, and I kept reading it. It became more and more real to me. It was just like jumping off the pages at me. So at this point, when I'm trying to figure out what's going on with me, God has already delivered me from my alcohol desire and any of the major drugs that I had been involved in immediately. I had no desire for any of these things and all I wanted to do was read the Bible. That's all I wanted to do. It was pretty amazing for that event to happen that day because I really wasn't searching. I hadn't been told anything major. I wasn't searching for God at all and God found me that day. It's just huge. So here I am. Um, thanks to uh, God and thanks to all the things that He's done for me, I am now able to uh, return that um, by using the talents and abilities He's given me. And it's a joy for me to be up on stage. Uh, I might be getting a little animated once in a while, but um, it's because of everything that he's done for me. Well, I mean, I used to be animated before I was saved.
playing the drums. <laughs> uh, and, and now it's just a continuation, but it's for his glory and not mine. Isn't that cool? And you gotta love the old lady in all white who hands him the handkerchief and says, you're gonna need this. I just wanna transition us just into a time of worship. But some of you in this room have not yet understood or experienced what a relationship with God or a relationship with the Holy Spirit is like. And Corey and the band are just gonna, you are, and I'm so in love with you. And this is the, the good news about the gospel that maybe some of you need a reminder or some of you just need to hear it for the first time. But the Holy Spirit works to point us to the truth. And the truth is this, that God sees you and God knows you. And he knows the deepest part of you. The ugly part, the addicted part, the, the withdrawn part, the angry part, the broken part, the, the pained part, whatever the history is or burden or, or past that you carry with, God knows you and knows every part. Scripture even says God knows every hair on your head. And despite knowing the worst things about you, He loves you. He's madly in love with you. And so this, this opportunity that I just want to present to you is this. Uh, it doesn't matter if you just need a reminder of God. Thank you for what you've done for me and for how you love me. Maybe this is for the first time, God, I just want to receive you into my life and into my heart. Maybe this is you saying, God, I, I've received you and I've followed Jesus, but I've not yet been baptized and I want the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite you, regardless of where you're at, regardless of where your journey is at or whether you're, where, where you're at in your relationship with God, the invitation is for you to just come forward during this next song just to respond in worship. We're going to have some staff members or prayer team or elders, anybody who's here that would like to come up also. Uh, we're not going to ask you to do anything. We're not going to ask you to share anything, but just want to invite you to come up as an act of worship to God. Come up here near the stage, and whether that's prayer for you or prayer for someone else or just worship, but we're just going to invite you to come up and just be a part of the body of Christ that just responds to a God who loves us and cares for us and died for us in an act of worship. So, with that said, Corey and the band are going to lead us, and I uh, just want to invite you to be a part.